previously on the Enneagram Journey. I'm serious. We're going to be late for Gene's table setting competition. Ugh, do I really have to? I I'd rather go to the boy band concert. Bob, one of our kids is actually participating in something. We're going, even if it's table setting. It's tablescaping, and it's the most exciting competition on four legs. Gene, how did you even end up going to the regionals in table setting anyway? Scaping! Gene, if you like setting tables so much, why don't you set tables at the restaurant or here? <laughs> no, Dad. I don't set where I eat. I was 20 years old and I spent a year living in the UK. And when I think of who that woman was that year, I think that's where I see kind of almost the fullest version of my seven self living is it was just like a year <laughs> of let us go and fully enjoy and partake in life and everything that life has to offer. I, you know, I know I'm in university here, but actually this is really about the enjoyment and the fun and the excitement of this, you know, year abroad. Welcome back to another episode of the Anagram Journey podcast with Suzanne Stabile. Today's guest is Anagram 7, Danielle Cope, who you may know as Oh Happy Danny online. She's an illustrator and an advocate using art and words to help good people become better neighbors. Danny and Suzanne are going to talk about generational differences the thinking process of a seven, and style, story, and spirit. Quick plug, as usual, before the show. If you get the opportunity to hear this before January 2nd, 2022, LTM is having a New Year's raffle. Raffle tickets are $10, and two winners will receive a $100 LTM gift card. Two tickets for the event, Where Will We Go From Here, with Suzanne Stabile, The Reverend, and Brian D. McLaren, and that's March 31st to April 2nd, a set of prayer beads with the sterling silver LTM charm, a full set of the Anagram Daily Reflection series, and, maybe most importantly, a private Zoom call with Suzanne and Joe for you, you and your friends, your family, your small group, whoever. You can get your tickets at the LTM website, lifeinthetrinityministry.com. The drawing will be January 2nd, so snag your tickets before then, and good luck. If you don't win, but you really want to attend, where will we go from here with Joe, Suzanne, and Brian? be sure to take advantage of that early bird discount that ends January 31st. You can get tickets to be in person in Dallas or to join online virtually from your couch. Both attendees that join online and in person will have access to the digital replay. And now let's get to Oh Happy Danny and Suzanne. How are you? I am so good and I um I've been learning from you. Oh, for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my husband, Joe, and I are 74 and 71. And we're kind of thinking, wonder what we should, what we should be doing a little different to take better care of ourselves. And he had to go to the church. And when he came back, I said, I got it from Danny. Here it is. <laughs> we need to make commitments that are relative to our capacity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I need tutoring. <laughs> I bet you think I'm kidding, but I'm so not. Oh, <laughs> but that means so much. Like, I appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I'm learning daily too. So I feel like as I figure something out, I'm like, I bet someone else yeah. could benefit <laughs> if I also yeah. tell them about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> that means I, a lot. Thank you. Well, I tell you what I love. I love intergenerational learning. Oh, right, right. Mm -hmm. Um. I don't know how much my listeners on the Enneagram journey are going to know about you, 
Mm-hmm. And rather than uh, us go through all the questions, mm-hmm. why don't you just tell everybody about you? If I said, tell your story. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Yeah. So my name is Danielle Koch. Of course, you can call me Danny. And I am an illustrator and activist from Atlanta, Georgia. I aim to use art and words to basically help good people become better neighbors. And that can manifest in many different ways. Like for a season, it was heavy on the anti-racism education and basically introducing more complicated topics uh, through art that made these complex ideas more digestible and easier to understand for the everyday person who might not have that exposure to these hard conversations. And then I also like to talk about empathy and hope and optimism, but most importantly about good work Uh, the good work that we were all created to do and how we're each uniquely gifted and equipped to carry that out in our own spheres of influence. So basically I like to encourage people as often as I can that they have a part to play in the larger story, whether it's the story of justice or the story of giving back and doing good work. Uh, That's kind of what I like to focus on. A lot of justice Mm -hmm. sometimes labeled, but sometimes just a matter of justice that you don't put that label on, mm-hmm. on your Instagram, uh, in your Instagram work. I, it's, um, I, I have to admit to you that I tried just running off things. Like mm. I thought, I wonder if this will print. I wonder if this will print. I wonder if this will print. And then I thought, no, I, I look over here. I can buy her work, <laughs> which oh, yeah. is what I will do instead. Right. Right. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank yeah. You. Yes. So um, I am fine when I refer to myself as old because I'm 71, but I don't love it when other people do it. Right. And I don't want to refer to you as young, but do you see yourself as young? Yeah, I definitely see myself as young. So that that's fine by me. <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes it's like, uh, and what does that mean? And I'll tell you what it means to me to have mm-hmm. a conversation with you um, in your uh, adulthood that is in a different season than mine. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that my generation needs to sit down some and be quiet some and see what younger people in the room have to say. Mm-hmm. And you talked about it a little bit when you talked about the things that you try to put in the world that might have to do with ways that people don't understand um, those conversations or mm-hmm. don't know how to talk about them. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, that is certainly true in terms of racial diversity and um LGBTQIA conversations and Mm -hmm. others. And I actually think that there are some things that we can't learn unless we learn learn it from people who are much younger than we are. Mm. Because we missed it. We missed the language. We missed the experiences. We kind of missed it in there. And people have said to me, Danny, and I'm going to say that I've never said this to anybody else, but people have said to me that uh, I'm like a a velvet jackhammer, that you don't know what happened when you were learning from me until maybe the next morning, and then it hits you. Mm -hmm. 
And my experience of your work is that you're using art to do exactly the same thing. Mm. Because you put this depth that you're carrying inside of your art, people don't know exactly how deep you're hitting them with your truth and wisdom until Mm. you sit with it for a little while. Oh, wow. Is that intentional on your part? So for me, it's very, the way I approach the work is very interesting because I'm sure as you're familiar, you're on Instagram, you've got a following. It can feel as though social media is is this never ending machine that's always wanting to eat, eat, Mm -hmm. eat content. Mm -hmm. And for me, as someone who feels very deeply about the topics that I am passionate about, Mm -hmm. I never feel quite like I can keep up with this machine. But I do know that there are people like I've said before, who want to do good and want to know more about the things that they may not have access and exposure to. But I, I aim to speak to the heart of the issue rather than talking at the issue or oftentimes talking specifically about the issue. And I think that one helps my content to be more evergreen and serve many purposes Uh, Like you were saying, there are many different areas of life and societal issues that we (laughs) don't always have a full grasp on, but I'm I'm hoping in that what I create and what I feel so deeply is something that somebody can take as a tool and apply to whatever area of life that they're working through or wanting to learn more about or work towards. And so for me, when I say I speak to the heart of the matter is I see what everyone else is saying. I see the never ending content machine. I see what's happening in the news and what's happening around the world and what's happening in my home and my family. And I say, here's what everyone's talking about. But underneath, what are the questions that we're all asking ourselves and asking each other? How are we trying to process through these heavy topics, whether it's police brutality or uh, something horrible happening in another nation? we are all asking like, oh, what's going on? But deep down, it's like, what can I do is often the question or how can I internalize this change? It's always very different than what's on the surface a lot of the times that I find. And so I aim to sit with what's going on and say, what is really going on deep down, even in me or questions that people are asking me, how can they process? And then that's how I'll create art to speak to the heart of the thing so that people can take the concept, apply it to their lives and use it as a tool going forward and whatever may come their way. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, that's exactly how I attempt to interact with the word. For people that didn't read it in the intro and whatnot, that you're a seven. Uh Yes. (laughs) And so hearing you talk, um, I'm a little envious. Were you born like this? What was the transformation to get you to this space where this is what you're doing? Hmm. because I was not, I feel like I'm starting to contribute a little bit more to the world, mm-hmm. but I, that, uh, that didn't just come, you know, that took 35 years for me to get to it. Right. Right. Yeah. So you kind of want to know a little bit more about how I got here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I, I talk about this sometimes, but I am a Christian, but I, I came up, I came up in life in a very strict religious church setting, uh, uh, had a lot of, you know, legalism and very, a lot of rules to follow. And again, I never really felt like I could keep up 
But also at the same time, I saw a lot of injustice around me, whether it was race related or spiritual abuse or things of that nature. And I always wanted to say something. I always wanted to bring attention to things, but I was always labeled like a troublemaker or uh, I was labeled an airhead sometimes or just someone who couldn't get her head out of the clouds, couldn't always wanted to just say something. What, things are going fine. Why do you have to bring attention to something? And deep down, <laughs> I found it to be very discouraging a lot of the time. But once I was able to separate myself from that space, I was able to say, oh, no, that's not the troublemaker in you. That's that's the change maker in you. It's mm-hmm. not you're not someone who wants to keep the peace. You're someone who wants to make peace. And as I learned more about, you know, the work of leaders like Martin Luther King Jr. and uh, the the idea of the fact that we don't want to keep peace for the sake of keeping it, but peace is found in presence. It's found in the presence of the tension and the wrestling. It's found in wanting to take what's wrong and make it right. And I just didn't like that false peace, which was an absence of tension. I liked the, the true peace, which was the presence of justice. And so as I entered into different spaces, like my old job where I experienced a lot of, you know, racial microaggressions and things that made me as the only black woman working there very uncomfortable, I decided to not say, I wanna stay in this space just as it is, but I'm gonna do my part to say something and make a change. And when that doesn't work or when it didn't work in that moment, I'm like, okay, this space is not for me. I'm gonna create my own space. And what would it look like to create at my own pace and to really envision a beautiful world where we are all not afraid or to be labeled before we do something good, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we're just willing to approach it and say, here's how I've been gifted. Here's the skill that I have right now. Here's what I'm passionate about. I'm going to put all that together and see how I can make my purpose known for me in this season, however that may look. And so Mm -hmm. I just became very dedicated to the idea of present purpose and walking that out, however it looks. And so for me right now, it's drawing illustrated infographics and trying to communicate what's so deep in my heart about the part that we all have to play and that we shouldn't let other people silence or label us, but um, yeah, truly rise above that. And so I don't even know if that answered your question. That was a very roundabout answer to your question, but that's kind of the life I've lived that's propelled me into this season of really wanting to speak up and not be silenced by anyone. It's very interesting because it's a, it's an Enneagram specific gift for sevens to see huh. where, th- to see where things overlap. Ah. And so as you talk about that, you, you talked about the fact that people are saying this and saying this and saying this and saying this, but nothing's happening. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not getting anywhere. We're just saying things right. and people are saying the same thing a little bit different and we're not getting anywhere. Yeah. And I love the language that you're going to the heart of it mm-hmm. because as I have looked at your work, I felt okay about me Mm. not knowing all of the exact right language to use. Mm -hmm. And it was like you were handing it to me and saying, well, this is how you say that. And this is how you would do this. Mm -hmm. And I find sevens to be thoughtful, often justice-minded, very quick thinkers. Oh yeah. (laughs) And because you think fast, sometimes it's difficult for us to keep up with you. But Mm. when you add your art to what you're thinking, it slows the pace so that I think people 
can keep up with you. Oh, that's good. Especially since I feel like I can process through things so quickly, but I, I don't, I sometimes feel like I'm not keeping up, but even the ability to just process and get stuff down on paper mm-hmm. in and of itself for me is often very quick, even if it's not shared very quick. So that's such an interesting yep. overlap yep. there. You, you think really fast. Yeah. Yeah. And so you, you in- intuitively have slowed down for people to catch up with you by adding art. Mm. Where did your sense of good neighbors come from? Did you grow up? uh, And I'll tell you why I'm asking. I grew Mm -hmm. up in a small farming and ranching community in the the southern part of the panhandle of Texas. Mm. And I grew up in a very loving, very welcoming community who made space for everybody. Mm -hmm. And then I came to Dallas as a student at SMU when I was 18 And I've never experienced it like that again. Mm. And so when you talk about good neighbors, that gets my interest. And when you talk about people doing their part, that gets my interest. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that more? Like, is there a big picture that you're working from that you're leading us toward? Mm. Or are you leaving breadcrumbs for us to follow, but you're not quite sure where you're going? Mm. (laughs) That's good. It's interesting to hear you talk about the community you grew up in. I grew up in a very, very loving home. Uh, My parents are both Jamaican immigrants. Mm -hmm. And so I'm a first generation American. And so the four of us, my immediate family, were very, very tight and close. I didn't move out completely until last year, actually, and I'm 26. (laughs) But you've been busy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I, I definitely have always felt a very tight, close knit sense of community. But ever since I... Hmm. For as long as I can remember, I've never felt completely at home in any other community, whether it's my old church community or fast forwarding to college where I commuted to college and never really got to have roots there. Uh, Even my uh, in my job experiences, like some I was able to find some community, but not always. And and so part of it, I feel like was a result of a longing and a searching that I've always been doing to find what I feel like true community looks like. And I imagine the kind of support that I wish I had in certain seasons outside of my super loving family, like, and, and the desire to be a part of somewhere like where, where that did things, not just saying or talking about doing things, but actually doing it. I wish I would have seen more of like, for example, my church community, more active in my community, serving the people who are actually in, in need. And even fast forwarding now to f- being able to find that in, in certain church spaces, which has been great. But even outside of that, I think about MLK's vision for the beloved community. And I think about how it's often said that our, our liberation is connected and it's our freedom is all tied up in each other. So even when I think of historically ex- uh, oppressed or excluded communities and how year after year, month after month, we're still seeing how certain groups are still fighting for justice in many different ways. It's my envisioning that that coming together is all a part of, I'm not free until you're free. Whatever that freedom looks like for you, I'm gonna lock arms with you and help you achieve it. And so when I think of a good neighbor, I think of someone who says like, your liberation is wrapped up in mine. So let's go together and do this thing together. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's what I really hope at the end of the day is that we are consistently working towards e- each other's 
ultimate good. I have a quote by C.S. Lewis, I believe, that's really guided my brand up until this point. It says, uh, love is not an affectionate feeling, but a steady wish for the loved person's ultimate good as far as can be obtained. Mm -hmm. And that's what I think of a good neighbor as someone who's working for my ultimate good as far as they can. Yeah, it's very interesting because I'm just pretty sure C.S. Lewis was a five on the Enneagram. Uh Oh, and if I'm correct, then he would need to talk about love in a context that wasn't too personal. Mm but was at the same time, very personal. Right. Right. It's like, it it needs to look like this, Mm -hmm. not like this mushy stuff that uh, is between two people, but might not even be healthy. Mm. Oh, that's a good point. Which is a, a, a lot of, I think what he's trying to talk about in the work that he does and the things that he's written. Mm. Uh, Do you know very much about his story? No, I don't. Well, he taught in England and uh, on, was a professor on the college level and uh, lived uh, a lot of his life working beside his brother. Mm-hmm. And he never saw himself in an intimate relationship with somebody else. And a woman uh, from the United States who had a little boy read his work and she just went to see him. Like she just took her little boy and went to England and showed up and said, I've, I've come because I want to meet you and I want to get to know you. And they end up falling in love. Oh, wow. And um, it turns out they got married, but it turns out that she had cancer and she mm-hmm. died young. Oh, wow. So here's, a, here's another little, I hope this is an offering to you that you will appreciate. They had seen a picture of a place they wished they could go. And they went there together and he was very aloof because he knew that she had cancer Mm. and she kind of pulled him in and said, listen, and this is not a direct quote, but it'll get at what I want to talk with you about. Mm -hmm. She said, uh, the pain now is connected to the love that we have. And if you can't do the pain, then we can't have the love. Mm. I think what we're all looking for in terms of trying to build a better world together, uh, incorporating and tipping our hat to all of our differences. And yet to the fact that in our souls and in our essence, we're the same. Mm. I'm pretty sure that um, we need people who are doing the work you're doing that speaks to everybody. I, I intentionally looked at a good bit of your work to see if I could find anything that would be uh, helpful at all to a group of people who wanted to be over against another group of people. Mm. And there's nothing there, Danny. Mm. I have really a lot of respect for the fact that you have put as much work out in the world as you have. And there's nothing there that says, I'm going to use this over against you. Mm. So I think you have an very unique gift. Oh, thank you. For putting things in the world that everybody can hear. Right. I have a quick question going back to something that y'all said earlier, which I, I thought was spot on and sounds great. Suzanne, you said how Danny using um, her art to slow down for other people. I'm, I have zero art gifts. And mm-hmm. I think there's a, a 
a lot of people out there that feel the same way, but are, if not sevens, threes or eights, who, you know, wh- what is a different medium that could help us slow down to connect with people the way that you do with art? Hmm. I love that question because it becomes so personal now. It's no longer, the question isn't how can we recreate what you're doing and the way you're doing it, but it's how can that effect be had through what I can do? And I love that because I talk a lot, I I talked earlier about present purpose and I feel as though we're the most helpful when we're doing things that come most naturally, uh, simply because it's innate. And so if you're able to take those natural skills, gifts and abilities that you have and tie it to a passion or cause that you care about, I think it's a lot easier to think of, okay, now how can I put something out into the world that helps other people to slow down and listen to what I have to say? And it's not so much heavy work to do it, but it's more like, let me ease into who I am, the skills that I have and what I'm already passionate about and see how I can put it together through my natural ability to create something beautiful. So for me, I like to always talk about how that there's that Japanese ideology about Ikigai. I I hope I said it right. I always try my best and I need to keep trying, but um, it's, it's that your purpose in life is at the intersection of all these things. It's a very old Japanese ideology. And so I kind of looked at that study and I was like, oh, that's so good. But that's a lot of different overlaps and a lot of different parts. I get it. But I wonder if for me in this season, I can take that same idea of purpose and say, for me, how can I identify present purpose? Purpose is a really lofty, overwhelming word. And so for me, if I think about present purpose, like how I'm doing it today, right now, this season, I'd like to say, well, I think that would be at the intersection of uh, my gifting, which is, you know, natural, my skill set, which is something that I work at, my passions, those causes, those issues that I really, really care about, and then a perceived need that I see in the world. Like, what is missing from this equation that if I'm able to put that missing piece in there would help other people get to that other side? And so for me, putting all that together, I was like, okay, well, I have a skills set that I'm learning right now, which is digital illustration. And I'm gifted at art in different mediums. So it was easier to learn how to do it digitally. And then passionate about racial justice, reconciliation, good work. And the need that I saw in the world at the time was a way for the masses to be able to engage in the racial justice conversation in a way that they could understand and apply in their own lives, in their own way. And so I put it all together and was like, okay, I guess I can draw about this stuff. Like my, my Instagram, I don't really use it for much else. I had like 700 followers. It wasn't really anything, but I said, the people who I know could benefit from some of this knowledge. I used to work with some of y'all and I really think if, if I drew this and you saw it, <laughs> so my, that was my original intent was truly the people who are around me. And I said, I, I just put together that unique conglomeration of things and said, this is how I'll do it right now. And if it didn't work, I probably would have tried something different. It's, it's not, to, I've tried many other different things before illustration. So this isn't like my first go, but I definitely think that once I found something that I could kind of like roll with, it made me communicating my end goal a lot easier. And so mm-hmm. I'd encourage people to just find where it comes most natural and lean into that to try to achieve that end that you're looking for. 
One of the threads that I think runs through what you're saying and your work is you be you. Yeah. You, you be you and do what's yours to do. Right. And I don't know if you know this about me, but my, my question every morning of my life is what is mine to do? Mm. And it has changed over the years. You know, I, it, it's changed a lot over the years and it's changing again because I'm in a different season of life, but mm-hmm. underneath all of it is it's me being me. Right. And not in like a cliche way either. No, not, no. It's truly the key. <laughs> and, and I'm trying to find different ways to explain that to folks. Like you can only do it the way you can do it. And that is a, a piece that's missing if you're not leaning into that. So, yeah. I think there's a, a big uh, desire, at least in the Western world, which I know most about. I, you know, I, I've traveled some, but I, I don't know other cultures to um, mimic mm-hmm. other people or to try to do what they've done. Always assuming that whatever that is, it's better than what you have to offer. Mm-hmm. And in that distance between what you, what you have and what you want, that's like somebody else, you lose a little piece of yourself that it's hard to get back. Yes. And at the same time, don't contribute much to the greater questions. What uh, do you see yourself talking about in the coming six months? Hmm. It is hard for me. And I bet it's, I bet it's a personality thing thinking long-term Mm-hmm. can be hard for me <laughs> and I'm, I'm constantly looking for the new thing and the next thing and the fun thing but I really feel like I'm, I'm starting to find a trend currently in the direction that I'm going in which is not so much explicitly anti-racism content but is more so unique contribution like you said UBU kind of content and I recently asked a question in my stories on Instagram I said what is the one thing that's keeping you back from using your gifts and skills to make a difference. And I got a plethora of answers that I was not expecting. One of which being, I don't know what those are. My gifts, skills, talents. I don't Mm -hmm. know what that is. Mm -hmm. And then some people saying fear of failure or I don't want to get it wrong, you know, or um, some people, and this was like a very, very specific thing that I appreciated so much. Somebody said as a, person who's not a person of color, mm-hmm. I don't want to advocate for justice in a way that would get in their way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that is, that is real. We, mm-hmm. never, we want to do the good work without overshadowing the community in need. And so I've been taking these collections of questions, which honestly goes back to the heart. These are heart questions people are asking. Mm-hmm. And that's right in, in, the, in the middle of the work I want to be doing. And so I want to create content that can continuously answer those heart questions as people are pursuing the work that they feel called to do. And that might include, hey, if you don't know what that is, here's some things that you could do to figure it out. For example, I was just talking to my friend. I asked her, I said, I got this question of somebody who said they couldn't identify their gifts or skills or passions. And and she said, yeah, that used to be me, but uh, I did a series of things that I feel like really helped me identify that. And you're gonna like what she said. She said, I took a bunch of personality tests and and she said, not just a whole bunch of random ones either, but it started out that way. But what I discovered about each one was that it 
illuminated a part of myself, different parts of myself, like with Enneagram, it illuminated my core motivations, Mm -hmm. why, why I do what I do. Those are answers to heart questions. And so finding more ways to navigate how to answer those in a way that can help as many people as possible is where I see myself staying for the next couple months in the work. And, uh, we'll see where that takes me. I do enjoy a little, a little adventure into the unknown. So we'll see. You're talking an awful lot about heart questions. Here's one of the things that is very interesting in listening to you from an Enneagram perspective. There are three centers of intelligence in their thinking, feeling, and doing. Mm. And one is dominant for all of us. One of the three is dominant. One supports the dominant and one is repressed. Mm. And nobody likes to know what their repressed center is it like it doesn't win me any friends Mm -hmm. when I teach your repressed thinking or feeling or doing Mm -hmm. threes sevens and eights are repressed feeling Mm -hmm. and that means you do most of your work in the world with thinking and doing or doing and thinking Mm -hmm. but feelings are way later Mm -hmm. so I'm very curious as you keep talking about the heart questions How did you separate heart from just emotional stuff, which I'm great at, by the Mm -hmm. way, (laughs) in my tunis, I can do emotional stuff all day. Uh How did you pull out what you know are the heart questions without getting caught in the feelings? In the feelings. Because there's a genius in that. Uh, Yeah. It's astonishing, actually. Oh, Wow. You know, I've thought through this because sometimes people will ask me, they'll be like, you know, for, for someone whose account's name is, oh, happy Danny, you don't talk about too many happy things. <laughs> and like, and I, I like to say, uh, of course, it's the, the joy that it brings me to help people. But also thinking about the very hard topics that I tackle sometimes, like when I was really heavy in my anti-racism content, it was very, very hard to deal with someone being murdered on Monday and then on Wednesday, people expecting you to guide them through at this horrible national tragedy. And I'm like, I don't know. And so for a while, I truly had uh, to compartmentalize, but the more I think about it, it wasn't necessarily intentional. I was able to go into the work and say, man, this is hard. I'm gonna grieve it, I'm gonna feel it. And then I'm gonna take it and move it over here. And I'm going to let the idea of that grief inform the work, but I cannot stay in that grief while I do it because what'll come out of the work is a lot of emotion, a lot of momentary feeling, not something that will stand the test of time as a tool or mm-hmm. an overarching concept. Mm-hmm. And as, as I, I feel like it would be normal for me to say, and that was a really hard thing for me to do, but it wasn't. And I don't see it as much as me compartmentalizing, even though it probably sounds like that, but it was more of like a, no, I'm going to feel it. I'll feel all of it. But if I'm going to be able to create this stuff and do what I feel like I'm called to do, I have to not occupy that space right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have to find a way to not occupy that. And so that's where I try to be. And that's not to say that once I'm done, that grief and overwhelming emotion isn't waiting for me at the door, (laughs) but I, as best as I can, I honestly am just able to not be there while I'm doing it. 
Does that make sense? Yes. Makes perfect sense. Okay. And it's a gift that comes from being a seven. Oh yeah. Not everybody can do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, and I, I want to be very careful with this. So if I say the wrong word, you hop on it with me and we'll figure <laughs> out what the right word is. <laughs> Somehow you figured out how to say emotionally charged things, mm-hmm. potentially mm-hmm. emotionally charged things, mm-hmm. but you've neutralized them in mm-hmm. some way. And I neutralize is the word I'm worried about. I certainly am not. I certainly don't want to negate the power or the strength of what you're saying, Mm -hmm. but you, you have neutralized what you're saying so that people can hear it. It doesn't matter what you have to say. If people can't hear you, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Is that intentional on your part? Or do you intuitively know how to do that? Ooh. So I know you were a bit worried about using the word neutralize, but I actually love it because it painted a picture in my brain of what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I'm often told that, uh, my work is disarming. Same. Yes. So I, and this is something that I didn't really have language for until very recently. Some people will say, it's like, you, you're able to so delicately like ride that middle, like you're in the middle. And I said, no, I'm not in the middle. I feel like you can very, very clearly see what I'm advocating for. I don't see myself in the middle. I see myself on the margins. So I'm very focused on those who are unheard, those who are um, needing help in ways that mainstream doesn't always cater to. So for me, it's like, I'm not trying to say something that gets you all to agree with me in the middle. I'm trying to say something that gets you all to look outside of where you are to the margins. Like, mm-hmm. come, I'm trying to be, this is, <laughs> sounds so, so, so interesting, but I, I'm trying to transcend those current conversations and say, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to be in here sparring with all of you on, in the left, right, middle type of scene. This is so much bigger than that. And I feel like if people can tap into that transcendent nature of I, we are all needing to come together to support those who are in need of our assistance and whatever ways that shows up in our own spheres, it's a lot less about middle ground. And it's a lot more about, we need to all go to the margins. And so that's what I hope is communicated in my work. Like this isn't a political post. This isn't an opinionated post. This isn't, this is truly just the fact of the matter that should resonate to anyone who cares about other people. And it just so happens that the majority of people care about other people. So it it happens to work that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, In the world that my husband, Joe and I live in, we do uh, a lot of work with spiritual directors and spiritual leaders, and we've read lots of spiritual books and and my husband's a pastor. So we've done a lot around churches and all, all the things, all the things. And some of the language that I like the best is, can we find a third way? Third way. Yes. Yes. And that's what you're advocating. Mm-hmm. It, whether or not it's intentional. That's how I see it. Yes. Yes. There's a third way mm-hmm. and it starts at the edges. Mm-hmm. and brings everybody in mm-hmm. because if any of us move from the middle we're moving one way or another it's yes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that makes me so hopeful oh wow it makes me so hopeful because everybody is marginalized in some way i i think that as you're doing your work you have that seven capacity 
for taking in a lot and then not wanting to deal with a lot. So it's like you, um, I, I don't even know if you've ever seen one. Have you ever seen a, somebody, a sieve for flour? Have I? I I've seen a sieve. <laughs> <laughs> He's seen it. So yeah. yeah. I've seen a sieve. <laughs> You know, it's a, it's a thing that gets the lumps out of the flour. So you do, you uh, squeeze this thing that runs across the bottom and then you get this sifted flour. That's what it's for. Mm. What happens when you can speak to a, a new way or a third way is somehow people for whom it is theirs to do like you you leave out the lumps that would cause a problem in the rising of the cake. Hmm. And you still end up with cake. Good cake. Wow. So my question for you based on that is, do you write something and then evaluate it? Or do you allow it to rise to the top and write it and let it be? Do you uh, discard much of what you write? Hmm. Like, are there, is there a hidden book of Danny thoughts that <laughs> you, you didn't put out in the world because you thought not now, or I don't want to risk that. Or are you just like following that internal voice that seems to be inside of you that says, let's do this now. Mm, definitely vibe with the inner voice for sure. But in all actuality, at the beginning of the work that I was doing, it was very, research-based, fact-based, I definitely wanted to make sure that I wasn't saying anything that was untrue. But then once I would do research and aggregate information, I'd sit with it and say, how can I narrow this down? Again, like the speaking to the heart of the matter. But once I decide what the heart of the matter is and the question I'm going to answer, I still have to narrow down all that information that I have. And so I'll say, how can I conceptualize this or create some kind of metaphor? Kind of like what you just did about the cake. And say, uh, and say this in a way that people can uh, attach to a real life thing and then maybe give five steps or four ways or three points to think about. And then that be the, the bulk of the content. But as the content starts to get more, less tangible and factual and more like, like heart-based and metaphorical, I find myself just writing. Like I will just dump the thoughts that I have in my brain because I can't rely on research for a lot of this stuff. I can't rely on factual information. It's a lot of, here's what I'm feeling right now. And I, and I anticipate that someone else might be able to relate. I'll write a whole bunch of stuff about it. And then sometimes I'll tweak and I'll edit for the, I'm thinking a lot about caption writing right now, but for the art itself, I'll pull out the phrase that's standing out from what I'm trying to say in a way that I feel like if I take this phrase and make it the art, somebody will look at this and be able to understand the breadth, like the gravity and the weight and like the fullness of what I'm saying by just reading that phrase. But I also love context and it's so super important. So basically to answer your question, I dump a lot out uh, in, in this season of the work I do. I dump a lot out, I write it all out and then I pull out those few words that can kind of be the banner of what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And then everything else that I'm trying to say along with it will follow. But I just, I definitely dump a lot of thoughts out. I, I, I <laughs> once, and it's not that I have a bunch of thoughts about everything either. And that's, I think where inner voice comes in. 
I'll see something or hear something or feel something that I feel like I should speak to. And then it kind of triggers that, okay, let me write a bunch of stuff down right now. Um, so that's kind of where I am. That's where I was and where I currently am. And who knows where I'm going to be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the future of the work, but I'm kind of just trying to follow the flow of what I feel I need to say right now. I have two questions. Unless Suzanne, do you have anything you follow up? You know, no, I'm good. I, I, did we book Danny for five hours this afternoon? i wish so your handle across the board is oh happy danny which is there more seven any (laughs) ingram seven handles than that so how how did how did you land on that and yeah and you mentioned a minute ago you're like back when i you know i had 700 followers was it oh happy danny when there were 700 and yeah i had changed it by then um when i put out the first piece my handle was changed that's a that's a great question so when I quit my last full-time job I decided that I wanted to lean more into my unique contribution like I talked about before before and so I said uh, I'm gonna use my skills of graphic design still I hadn't learned digital illustration yet but I'm gonna use my skills of graphic design to create a kind of a social media agency that helps positive mission-based brands use social media for maximum impact. I want to come alongside the nonprofits and organizations that were too busy on the ground to be focused on aesthetics, Instagram cohesion. And so the idea for that, I decided to call it So Happy Social because it's like for positive mission-based brands and this mm-hmm. is like a fun thing. <laughs> and I changed oh, to Oh Happy Danny. I changed my personal page to Oh Happy Danny simply for brand alignment with my agency page. Like that was literally the only reason. And I bet most people expect like a cooler story than that, but it literally was just marketing brand alignment, not just trying to be cohesive. But yeah, people always, it's so funny. They'll be like, oh, happy Danny. Like this this content that you're posting, happy is not my first gut reaction to this. It's it's mostly like, I wanna think. Oh, thoughtful Danny. Oh, heavy Danny. Oh, Oh, deep Danny, you know, but. Oh, happy Danny is kind of what's stuck. Well, I, I just want to tell love, you that if you were a different Enneagram number, you would not have picked that. <laughs> you know, mine would have been loving Sue's. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah squash, as, as someone who works for LTM, I'll squash the loving Sue's Enneagram. <laughs> or, I do think, though, that it is a, a I think it's a phenomenal example physical example of the idea that we've learned or the teaching that we've learned about sevens of leading and opening with lightheartedness mm-hmm. with happiness with joy yeah and then they're being deeper behind it it's yeah. just the perfect it's like hey oh happy danny and yeah it's not a bunch of memes yeah <laughs> Yeah. You better be careful with oh happy Danny. She'll challenge the socks right off of you. That is so funny. And it's funny because I used that as a tool when I first started out. I was like, oh, I'm going to use bright colors. I'm going to be like super aesthetically pleasing because I want to, to draw people in. I studied the effect that illustration has on the human mind and why we're so gravitated towards it. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to, this is going to be a tool to get to the end of my expected end, which was having these hard conversations and having people think more about it. So yeah, definitely leaning with that lightheartedness and that ease was very purposeful, but I also don't think I would have done it any other way anyway. That's the most, that was the most fun way I could think to do it. Okay, well, building off of that fun way, 
you've spoken a few times kind of about the different seasons mm-hmm. that the world, the world has gone through, that our country has gone through, mm-hmm. that maybe you and your community have gone through. Being a uh, futuristic thinker, mm-hmm. good or bad, what do you think the next season is? Oh, man. Yeah, that... That's and the, in, the answer can be, I don't know. I, just, <laughs> that, I, really, I, I have I have a couple different thoughts. I definitely feel like we haven't seen the last of polarization. I don't think. Um, I wish. Uh, yeah, definitely. I don't think we've seen the end of the anti-racism conversation. I definitely feel like as more language is developed to oppose it in many different ways, more conversations will come about about how the two will collide, like the two opposing sides, like people who agree with anti-racism and people who do not. Um, so I feel like even though I myself, like you were talking about seasons, I have come out of the season of explicitly, consistently posting solely anti-racism content, but I don't think that we have seen the last of that either. And um, even with, I've been having lots of conversations about even social media as it as it is. I feel like we are very soon going to start really experiencing the devastating impact that social media has had on us these past two years, even in the beauty of it and what's been able to be created even in my own life from it. I find myself distancing myself from it more and more today as far as daily use, scrolling, being on there. And I feel like that's going to play into the future of many different conversations. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I'm still hopeful, but I know things don't necessarily disappear. They adapt, Mm -hmm. they change and they, they, they just are able to be different. They morph. That's what I was looking for. Uh, And so (laughs) I definitely think uh, that's, that's as far as I've been able to deduce as someone who does not think about the future. (laughs) But um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm feeling. And I'm wondering how my work will play into that in the future. I don't know. That makes a, a ton of sense. The reliance during the pandemic of the last 18 to 24 months mm-hmm. that we've all had on social media. Mm-hmm. And now that the world's evolving again, changing, it's like, okay, this, how is this going to change with it? I, I haven't yeah. thought about that. That's, that's brilliant makes me a little nervous hey when you're when your whole like job is on there you Mm -hmm. really think quick about uh uh-oh yeah (laughs) is this the best thing for me to be doing yeah so um yeah that's kind of what I'm thinking about the future when I uh was working on the my last two books I came to a point in each one where I I just felt like I didn't have anything to say and it wasn't at the end of the book so that wasn't a good place to be (laughs) And uh, I found, in part because I'm so relational, that the only way I could get off of that, whatever it was, and get back to writing, was I had to put pictures, if I had them, or names all across the bottom of my desktop screen on Post-its of people of every number. So I had an audience to talk to. Oh, that is cool. And well, it helped me a lot to do that. Mm -hmm. You uh, have talked a lot through our time together about how people would receive something or how they would see it or how they would hear it or what they would do with it. 
how do you, what does your audience in your mind look like when you're doing your work? Is it a different audience at different times? Hmm. Um, like I, I'm aware that you're aware of who's going to see your work. Like you're thinking <laughs> about that as you go along. Yeah. And who, who is it that you think is going to see your work? Do you mean like specific demographic wise or kind of me describing the attributes and the lives styles and kind of that kind of thing? Yeah. The okay. second, the second, let's go with the latter. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I definitely envision these are everyday people. They've always been everyday people, people with families and careers and dreams and aspirations and goals. And many of them within these past two years have like had a head on collision with the realities of injustice. Mm-hmm. A lot of people who just didn't think about it like that before. Mm-hmm. Some did, a lot didn't. And so I'm recognizing, and I'm actually really glad you asked me that question because is it really important for me to think through? I'm recognizing that a lot of people are still recalibrating and feeling like that, the reverb of that collision. Mm-hmm. What does it mean now that the dust has settled in my life and I still have this family and this job and these goals and dreams, but I cannot look away from the reality of the responsibility I have to do good work. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, those are the kind of people that I find myself talking to. So whether it's the realities of anti-racism and racial justice that I'm talking about, or how you can do one little thing, one good thing daily, mm-hmm. uh, that whatever that, whatever it looks like, I'm, I'm hoping that I can continuously come alongside people who say, I don't know how much I have to give, but if I can see a way that I can do something, mm-hmm. I will try my best to do it because I have to have hope and belief that people want to do what's best for other people at the end of the day. I have to believe that. And I have to hope that because we are, we are all we have Mm -hmm. and we are the hands and feet, honestly. And so I'm hoping that people continue to recognize, like I must play my part. It's not about productivity or doing, 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 or defining myself by my work. It's leaning into the the gifting and the calling that I have to also use that to make a difference where I can. So that's who I think I'm talking to. I can hardly wait. I I hope I get to watch you for a long, long time. I hope I get to learn from you for a long time. One of the things that I use uh, to describe what I try to do in my work is I try to set the table for Mm -hmm. things so that uh, there's room for everybody how do I set the table for all of these people to feel like they belong here? Mm-hmm. And I do that because I'm convinced that everybody wants at least two things. They want their life to have meaning and they want belonging. Mm. Oh, that's good. And it seems to me that, and I'm sure there are other people who have it too, but I've not seen it quite as readily as I see it in you. Mm-hmm. It's, it seems to me that you have room for everybody, no matter where they are, mm-hmm. if they're willing to do good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like bring your baggage and all your stuff. All you have to be willing to do is do good. Yeah, definitely. And I know it's, it's not the most recommended thing. Like I wouldn't say, Hey, create content that you hope serves everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah. But that's kind of the hand I've been dealt and it's those, I can't say that I had a specific target in mind for when I started, but this is who came 
Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to, yeah, do my best to be a good, a good steward of, of just that inviting everyone. And I don't know if you mean this when you say the hand that you were dealt, but I hope that part of what you're saying is the gifts you were given gifts I was given was the better way. And what I meant to say, <laughs> well, I'm not correcting you. It's a good thing. I definitely see it as a good thing. Let me make sure that's communicated. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. A blessing. I, I for sure wasn't correcting you, but you're so gifted for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I loved, and I'm so sorry. Cause I saw it when you posted it and now I'm forgetting the exact words mm-hmm. of someone asking, I want to do this, but it's already been done. Yes. And I loved your response. So can you better tell that story than I just did? And yeah. I just think it really plays to what Suzanne just said. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So someone asked, uh, I asked what's holding you back from making a difference. And, and someone said, someone's already doing it. And I said, here's three reasons why you can do what, in quote, someone else is doing, but um, still offer a completely unique contribution to the world. Yeah. So basically the, the idea that I was communicating was the three things being style, uh, story, and sphere. And so I wanted to communicate that there's, there's a three things that you have that literally nobody else has. So your style, the way you do things, your original ideas, your artistic flair, your internal rhythms and sources of inspiration, nobody else has that. That's uniquely yours. And so that'll naturally set your contribution apart. Even if you are baking and the person next to you is baking, you're baking your way, you know? Yep, and then yep. the second thing is your story, you know, where you came from, the communities that raised you, the cultures that influenced you and experiences that shaped you. Uh, that profoundly influences the work that you do. And so that makes it unique. And then your sphere, your sphere of influence, the people around you, you're exposed to a distinct group of people that others will never have the same access to the way you do. That's uniquely yours. And so I basically said, those people are your mission. No two missions are the same. So the next time you're tempted to fall back because you see others doing similar work, just remember that no one else can do the work that you're called to do the way you're called to do it. And so your contribution is uniquely yours. And I I definitely believe that. I believe it too. And I believe you are a a good table setter. It, it, my visual is that you just have this one very big table mm-hmm. for everybody to come to and communicate uh, deeply, but simply, mm, Yes, you know, from the deepest part of you, how can you simply say what you feel, what you think, what you want, what you hope? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I'm asking a new question this year as I close each podcast. And my new question is, what are you curious about? What am I curious about? Hmm, what am I curious about? I really like watching uh, nature movies. I like, <laughs> like late nature documentaries on Netflix. I like watching, like seeing what's happening in the oceans and seeing what's happening. And so I recently watched the I think it was called Blackfish, the the documentary about the killer whale at SeaWorld. And I know that's very random. I'm very curious about animal lifestyles right now. The way that they live and coexist and co just live amongst each other. The dynamics, how they communicate, how that is so different from the way we do, but they seem to have everything they need. 
I am just fascinated by animal communities and how they live amongst each other. So that is something that I'm currently very curious about. And I keep watching animal documentaries. I love that answer. There you go. <laughs> I hope that someday, somewhere, you and I will be in the same spot and I can buy you dinner and oh, I'll just yeah. let you eat and I'll just talk and ask you questions and wait for you to answer. And then I'll ask another question. <laughs> or maybe I should eat and not feed you. So you can just answer my, all of my questions. All right. I'll do both. I'll do both. I would love that. Talking to you has been an absolute pleasure, the both of you. This has really been enjoyable for me. Well, it certainly has been a gift for us. And I know that our listeners are going to really fall in love with you. I certainly have.